Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. As we continue on in uh, our study of the New Testament, and uh, this is part number 255. This will actually be the final study in the New Testament. Um, as Doug was saying earlier, this is at the end of five years of uh, going through it a chapter at a time. Some of you have been here for almost all of that. God bless you. That's really cool. And um, next week we will start in the Old Testament. That takes about 15 years. Um, and so we're going to do it. And uh, we'll start in Genesis chapter 1. And next week, um, it will take a year just to get through Genesis. So it's a long book. There's some long books in the Old Testament. We'll have some other books that take a year. Um, Psalms could take two. Uh, so, three, actually it's 150 psalms, right? Three years worth. Wow. Yeah. You've got nothing but time until Jesus comes back. I don't want to rush it. <laughs> nothing but time. So, I'm very excited about that. Good, good stuff. To, uh, it's neat to finish a... Uh, to say, you know, just start something and go, hey, we're going to do this for five years. And everybody kind of goes, uh-huh. And uh, here we are. We did it. So good. So now 15 years, maybe you can, maybe you can, everybody's in um, for the next 15. I hope you are. Me too. So we're uh, looking at Revelation chapter 22 um, starting last week. Revelation got a lot more fun, really. Uh, the hard stuff kind of finished up there. Um, in those middle chapters were very difficult talking about judgment and, and uh, um, what has to happen in order to deal with evil but uh, we're now um, really setting things straight and getting some ideas of what lies ahead for us remember throughout this study um, I've, I've sort of held to a futurist viewpoint which means I believe that these events have not yet happened there are other valid viewpoints that believe differently about the book of Revelation. As I've said, some believe it's only symbolic, that it's just a picture of good and evil. Others believe that all these events have already taken place. And uh, we're all sort of accomplished in John's time somehow. I, I don't, it's hard for me to defend that one. Um, and others believe that, you know, it's a, it's a picture of things that have happened over time. I'm, I'm much more comfortable myself with the sort of futurist viewpoint that we're waiting for these events to unfold and they could happen at any time and in these closing sort of verses um, three times Jesus says behold I'm coming soon um, and, and I think we can sometimes get sort of in the idea that eternity seems like it's far off and yet um, there's an immediacy that we need to live in um, that the return of Jesus could take place at any moment there's the, at any moment um, uh, throughout you know uh, history people had to say well this has to happen this has to happen this has to happen this could happen at any moment it could happen while I'm speaking it could happen in the next breath Jesus is coming back and he could come back at any moment so we need to live in this tension that believes that he could come back at any moment and yet at the same time that he might tarry um, because of his great mercy and, and so he wants us in that tension that's where we find life um, living with purpose and mission knowing that he's coming back soon that uh, should give us great hope and at the same time it should stir us into mission um, to get about the the business of the Father uh, until um, the return of Jesus so this could happen at any time 
and we're just waiting um, on the Lord. We're waiting on trumpet sound. We're waiting on the, the father to tell the groom to go get your bride um, because everything's ready. That's why we, that's what we're sitting on hold for. And we're supposed to be um, using this time well. So let's look at these last verses together. Revelation chapter 22, beginning in verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I, heard, when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me but he said to me do not do it I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers the prophets and of all who keep the words of this book worship God and then he told me do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near let him who does wrong continue to do wrong let him who is vile continue to be vile let him who does right continue to do right and let him who is holy continue to be holy behold I am coming soon my reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may go through the gates into the city. Outside of the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, sent my angels to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears says, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy, the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So there we have Revelation 22 and the end of the New Testament. And uh, we have read that together as a group. That's very good. Very good. All right, so um, lots of neat stuff happening here. Those first six verses, um, just again, the, the water of life, it's a symbol of eternal life. And it's the same image that Jesus used, if you remember, in John 4 with Samaritan woman. Uh, woman. Uh, he said, you know, you, the water of life is available to you if you would only ask. It pictures the fullness of life with God and the eternal blessings that come when we believe in Him and allow Him to satisfy our spiritual thirst. 
that's where we are supposed to go when we're thirsty. We go to Jesus, spiritually thirsty. We go to Him. And then we see about the tree of life, and uh, you will find out in a couple of weeks that there was a tree of life back in Genesis chapter 2. The tree of life and the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And um, when Adam and Eve fell in sin, they were forbidden to eat from the tree of life um, because they could not have eternal life as long as they were under sin's control. And so that's why they were um, kicked out. So they couldn't have access to the tree of life. Well, once again, believers will have access to the tree of life because of the forgiveness of sin through the blood of Jesus. There's going to be no evil or sin in the, in the Jerusalem, in the holy city, and we'll be able to eat freely from the tree of life um, when sin's control over us is destroyed and we are set forever in eternity with God. And so the tree of life becomes available once again. There's a lot of things that will happen. Um, and I think it's good that we read it this way. Um, you'll see how Revelation closes. And as we go and read Genesis, you'll see how things opened and, and then how it all sort of came about, I think, would be very helpful to you. In verse 3, it says there's no longer going to be a curse upon anything. That means that nothing accursed will be in God's presence, and it fulfills a prophecy um, in Zechariah 14, verse 11. You may want to write that down and look it up later, but it's a fulfillment of prophecy. And remember, I said there's prophecies that need to be fulfilled. Um, that, that is one of the reasons we think there's that millennial reign, because there's some things that need to take place yet. Um, but, but God is bigger than that. He can do those at any time as well. Um, then in verses 7 through 11, um, in those verses I think it, it makes clear what I was talking about earlier, that we're to live with a sense of immediacy and purpose. Um, John says, you know, blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And, and because of the good news, the gospel message, and that it's been entrusted to us, we, we're to understand that... Um, we have things that we're called to and uh, that we need to be about those things. Um, that that we, uh, we need to let people know uh, about who Jesus is. We need to think of ways and, and be open to how the Spirit leads us to do those things so that we can impact um, people with the gospel message. And Revelation is pretty fascinating. It has a tendency to move people um, in, in the directions that they're sort of choosing already to go um, but there's always hope for them that's why when John says you know let him who does wrong continue to do wrong and, and, but let him who does right continue to do his right there, there's something about um, uh, people will read Revelation and if they choose not to be open to what's going on they'll just continue to go the way that they were going all along and John knows that but for those of us who understand um, who Jesus is or at least you know working in that direction it's a life-changing book because it's a book of hope and it's a book that reminds us that Jesus is coming back it's a book that um, gives us insight into eternity and what lies ahead it's an, uh, it's an amazing book and that's the blessing that comes from reading it and so we, we have to take to heart God's call to um, uh, holiness with an understanding that, that, that holiness to me is always best expressed in loving people well you know that sometimes we, we hear that idea of holiness and I, I say that for some people they think that a holy person is someone that's um, sort of extricated themselves from the crowd and has gone up you know on a high place and sits there and does nothing but meditate but, but the clearest and purest example of holiness that we know of is Jesus 
Um, and, and that's never what he did. I mean, he, he would go quietly and pray, but he was always um, around people, ministering to people, serving people, loving people, letting them know that there was a God who loved them. And that uh, he modeled that for us. And that's a, the picture of holiness. So being called to a holy life is that. Um, it's, it's, it's loving extravagantly the way that God does. And understanding that and moving into that. And, and not settling for sitting back and sort of waiting for events to unfold, thinking that, well, we're good and we don't really care about anybody else. But uh, a, a concern for those who don't yet know him that um, somehow... Um, that, that we would be useful in the process to tell people about Jesus and, and, um, and that this seeing this future in Revelation will hopefully stimulate us in, in moving in those directions. And then in verses 12 through 19, um, those that wash their robes are, are um, you know, it's a, they're seeking to um, purify themselves from a sinful way of life. You know, that's us cooperating with the leading of the Holy Spirit and trying to do the next right thing that that's our heart's desire and we all have work to do in that because none of us are there yet but you know, it's our heart's desire and hopefully we're, we're open to the movement of the Spirit and the, the teaching of the Spirit and the guiding of the Spirit <clears throat> that we're, like we talked about last week we're allowing our, our minds to be renewed all the time and transformed because we haven't fully arrived and we've got some bad filters in there and some bad things that, that need to continually be addressed um, and, and dealt with in the Lord as we continue to grow in him and that is an ongoing process um, I like verse 17 because it says you know the the Holy Spirit and the bride say come and and see this is the cooperation that we have the Holy Spirit and and who's the bride It's the church who's the church that's you and so it, the the what we have here is the, the the Holy Spirit working in us to invite people to come to Jesus so that's how that whole thing works. It's the Holy Spirit in us and us yielding to Him and, and being led by Him and used by Him to draw people to Jesus. And so that, that's the, the Holy Spirit and the bride say come. That's, that, it's cool to be included in that, right? I hope if you didn't know that was you, that's you. The Holy Spirit and the bride say come. And that's, that's our mission. That's what we're here for. We've been talking about mission a lot uh, on the weekends, but that summarizes it. The Holy Spirit and the bride say come. And that's what we do. It's, it's mission. It's, it's our calling until Jesus comes back. And it's where we experience life. And we want other people to come and experience life in Jesus too. That's why we do it. Um, and that's, that's the process. Uh, and again in verse 17, it does, he, he talks again about the, the living water that he, he can supply. Uh, once again, you know, we saw it in verse 2. Um, but, but that the... You, you know, the, the good news is it's unlimited in its scope. All people everywhere can come. The invitation is to everyone everywhere throughout time can come to know Jesus. That's the invitation. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's an all-inclusive thing. Everybody can come, and we invite everyone to come. It can't be earned, but God gives it freely, salvation. It's, a, it's an amazing gift. And, and we live in a world see, that's desperately thirsty for living water and many of them you know, literally dying of thirst spiritually but it's never too late let's invite everyone to come and drink that's, that's our mission come drink it, it, the living water water that, that will leave you never thirsty remember the Samaritan woman she, she couldn't grasp it what Jesus was saying to her but she gets it uh, and, and uh, she finds it in, in Jesus and 
the, you know, the Samaritan woman is such a wonderful picture, and, and I love that Jesus, you know, extended the opportunity to her, because she was a mess um, by any standard. Um, she was pretty broken in, in her relationships and in her life. She was an outcast in her community. She was drawing water by herself instead of with the rest of the group because of her lifestyle. And Jesus looks at her and doesn't call her out on that at all. He just says, you know what? I want you to be a worshiper. I love that about Jesus, that, that he met people where they were at. That was in John 4. In John 3, he encounters Nicodemus, who on, on all sense of the words looks great on the outside, political leader, religious leader, looked great, but he didn't know grace, and he needed it bad. And so Jesus met him was where he was at and said, you need to be born again. You're not going to make it. Um, uh, I, I love that Jesus meets people uh, uh, where they're at, everywhere, and invites them to come and wants us to do that now. The Holy Spirit and the bride say, come. We're to invite everyone to come and take a drink. Last couple of verses. Um, we don't know the day or the hour, but we do know that Jesus is coming soon and unexpectedly. It's part of the way he'll come. We'll, we'll never figure it out. Um, there have been several times in, in uh, my lifetime where people have been convinced that they knew when Jesus was coming back. Um, and that something's going to happen, and I've always told them, you'll never know. I can tell you why you'll never know. You need to relax. Nobody's got that figured out. No one will ever have it figured out. So if anybody ever tells you it's this date and it's this date, just go, no, it's really not. We sort of had to, there was one group, there been lots of groups that have done it. I'm not mocking anybody, but we had a young guy here who was convinced that because of this one group, and there was these radio things were happening, and that it was the end of time, Jesus was coming back, and, and, uh, and, and he had a really nice bicycle and said, so can I have your bike? <laughs> you ain't going to need it, right? <laughs> he didn't think that was funny at all. And he didn't give me his bike either. <laughs> what are you going to do with that? <laughs> I'd like to have that. That's a nice one. So don't, you know, because people get... Uh, you know, we want to we think that it's happening. You won't know. It'll be unexpected. The only, and, and even Jesus said, it's, you know, because he, he pointed to a, a Jewish tradition that, that at, the, at the wedding, um, you know, a, a husband and a wife, when they would be betrothed, um, they would agree to sort of this whole process. The husband would leave and prepare a place, place for them to live. Usually, uh, you know, he would build onto the father's the house, his father's house. That's how it would happen. And, and in order to make sure that that process went well and that the, the son did, just didn't go and sort of put up a half a shack and throw down a sleeping bag, um, he couldn't determine the time the father had to. And the father would insist that it was done right and, and was complete before he could go and get his bride. And this process used to take usually a year. It was a year before he could go and get his bride, at least. And, uh, and then he would go and, the, and he, the father would say, okay, time's come, go get your bride. And he would sneak in. This is the, the illustration, the picture. He would sneak in at night usually and blow a trumpet and try and catch them all off guard. So towards the end of that period, when the, when the bride sort of knew the time was coming, she would start getting more and more ready all the time at night so that she wouldn't be caught by surprise. So it became this big deal. But that's what it's talking about here. We won't know. It'll be unexpected. We need to be ready and prepared. That's the, that's the tension. But you, you won't know. And so you need to live like it could... See, that's the, you need to live like it could be tomorrow. That it could be later today. That's how we need to live. With the understanding that it may not happen. And so we need to stay busy but ready until he gets back. Busy with his stuff. 
And so, you know, the question is, and this is a great question. Think about this. If, would Jesus' sudden appearance catch you off guard? I mean, are you, are you ready? If he came back right now, are you ready? It's a great kind of thing to think about. What, would you, what, what do you think? So, you know, don't, it uh, could be any time. Don't live thinking, oh, we got all the time. Some things, there's some things we need to do. Because it could be just like that. Um, and then Revelation kind of closes human history just as Genesis will open it. And so we get to look into that next week. And it, it, it closes in paradise just like it's opened. The difference now in Revelation at the end here is that evil is gone forever. But when we start Genesis, we'll see that it, that it begins to unfold almost immediately. And... Um, in Genesis, we'll see Adam and Eve walking and talking with God. And Revelation describes people worshiping God face to face. Um, Genesis describes a garden with an evil serpent. Revelation describes a perfect city with no evil. The Garden of Eden was destroyed by sin, but paradise is recreated in the New Jerusalem. And so, you know, I hope that what you get from this, that above all, Revelation, it's a book of hope. It shows that no matter what happens on earth, God is in control it promises that evil will not last forever. And it depicts uh, an amazing and wonderful reward that's waiting for all who believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior of their lives. The book ends with this plea, Come, Lord Jesus. And because we're convinced that He's going to come soon, we, we need to dedicate ourselves to, to live by doing the next right thing, to, to be holy in sharing the message that God has given us, uh, the message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ has been entrusted to us. And that's ultimately what should come from understanding Revelation and all that it holds, where it unfolds. And there you go. We have completely gone through the New Testament together. And we start in Genesis next week. So if you get a chance, read Genesis 1. But we're done for tonight. If you're watching by video, thank you for watching. We appreciate you doing that. Come and see us when you can, but uh, that's good for now. If you have